0: to the store with me our mother also taught us irony keep crying and I'll give you something to cry about our mother taught us also about science of osmosis shut your mouth and eat your supper our mother taught us about stamina you'll sit there until that spinach is gone in the Philippines it's a uh, it's a uh, din and ding. <laughs> we don't have spinach. Oh, we have a uh, special uh, or uh, a vegetable spinach in the Philippines. Our, our mother taught us also about weather. When she comes to our room and our room is uh, messy, she will tell us, this room of yours looks as if a tornado went through it. <laughs> and our mother taught us about you know hypocrisy <laughs> sometimes. If I told you once, I told you a million times don't exaggerate <laughs> Our mother taught us about envy She will tell us there are millions of less fortunate children in this world who don't have wonderful parents like you do And many things that God, and our mother taught us and their legacy actually embedded in our lives right And when we when we look back we tend to learn from the legacy that we that they have instilled in our lives and even today they we carry that legacy you know one of one of my favorite sport i don't do it actually i just watch it and especially in the olympics the relay in the event of track and field and this game is all about speed and passing the baton. i don't know if you watch relay and probably uh, you've seen it before. The rule of this game is they need to have a complete relaying of that baton to not to be technical and finish the race in the fastest manner and win. Somehow, that lesson is connected to our mothers, especially for the parents. They are actually relaying that baton to their children or to the people that they care about. My mom, I remember my mom when I was graduating in high school, she will tell me, yeah, okay, think about your future. Think about school. What, you're gonna, what, what do you want for college? What do you want to be for uh, 10 years from now? In some way, he or she actually helped me formulate my future. And a lot of our mothers today have actually planned, the future of their children right am I am I wrong seven years ago or three three four years ago I don't know the exact exact date I was driving and I, I asked uh, my, my wife asked me this question um, what if God gives us children what do you want them to be I told my wife this is my specific answer to her I want my son to become an astrophysics. I don't know what they do, but it sounds cool. Right? Astrophysics. And the second one I want her I want the, the, the second son to be a doctor. My my point is this, we plan for the future of our children. Right? We plan. And and, and the the third the third one my my third son. I, we wanted to, by the way, we wanted to have six so, have children. Oh, yeah. have so, man. please pray for us. <laughs> please we're pray for us. <laughs> what you <laughs> what you but but you that's, 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 that's that. we, plan, we plan for our children's future. And, and, and that is, that's, that's, that's not wrong, by the way. If you want to leave a legacy for our children, that's not wrong. It's good. Right? We want the best education for our children. That's good. We want the best bank account that, they, uh, that we can leave in their, uh, in their future. That's good. We want, to have, we want our children to have good house. That's great. That's good. We want, to, we want, to have, we want them to have cars. That's good. We want them to have a good values. That's good. We want them to, to have a good attitude. That's good. These are all good there's nothing wrong with it everyone of us would love and is dreaming that our child or children will one day be successful than us I said astrophysics because I wanted my future kids to be like an updated version of me 2.0 Christopher 2.0 not not 1.5 I wanted one notch higher than me But to tell you this, this is the truth, there is a better legacy that we can pass to our children or to anyone else and this legacy is this will it matter or oh, this, this is the legacy that you are, you are passing on to your children will it matter in the end? when they when you are gone and when they are gone and their children will, will be living when they when they are all gone will it matter in the end probably that's the question that you want to ask if you want to leave a legacy to your children by the way wh- what is the definition of legacy Miriam Webster definition of legacy is this a gift by will special of money or other personal property something transmitted or by or as transmitted by or received from an ancestor or predecessor or from the past. In other words, there is a giver and a receiver. And most of the time, what we want to receive is monetary. Who, wants, who doesn't want to receive money from our, from our parents? Right? We do. Who, wants, who doesn't want to, to receive properties? from our parents we all do right who doesn't want to receive a good name from our parents we all do right that that, that is good to, this this legacy this is good to receive but this legacy cannot last forever money can be lost gold can be stolen diamonds ladies are not forever The car will get old and break. And the house can be destroyed by far. Education can be gone when dementia sets in. I have patients who have educational background that I, wow, it's like, wow. But when dementia sets in, that education does not matter anymore. Health can go south. In other words, the things you know will last will not but there is a better legacy to leave or receive by you and your children and we're going to talk about that legacy in a short while and I want to I want to share to you my own definition of legacy that will last forever this is my own definition a gift of eternal peace grace mercy love and forgiveness that is freely given to those who believe to God the Father through His Son Jesus Christ. I hope that is the legacy that you will leave or you will receive after this message. And this is the kind of legacy Paul, Apostle Paul, talked about in his writing in the book of Second Timothy, and the legacy of Timothy's faith. And if you have your Bible with you or smartphones with you, kindly open it to Second Timothy chapter one, verse one to seven. And let us all stand in the reading of God's Word. 2 Timothy, chapter 1, verse 1, 7. It says here, verse 1, I, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by God's will, for the sake of the promise of life in Christ Jesus, to Timothy, my dearly loved son, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. I thank God whom I serve with a clear conscience as my ancestor did when I constantly remember you in my prayer night and day. Remembering your fears, I long to see you so that I may be filled with joy. I recall your sincere faith that first lived in your grandmother Lois and in your mother Eunice, and now I am convinced is in you also. Therefore, I re- oh I'm sorry. All right. Therefore, I remind, I remind you, you to rekindle the gift of God that is in you, you through the laying, laying on my hands. hands. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but one of the power, love, and sound judgment. May we all may we all be blessed in the reading of God's word. You may not seen it. received a letter that starts with the introduction of who he is or and and what he believes guys have you wrote uh, uh, or wrote a letter or sent a letter to your wife you put your name I, for example my name is I Christopher who is a bachelor who is working currently working who has like probably um, living on my own. Have you ever received, ladies, have you ever received a letter like that? No. I'm still too young. Right? It's it's (laughs) kind of hard to receive a letter with that kind of content, right? But here in this letter, if you're familiar with the Bible, the epistles letter, the epistle letters, most of them start with this introduction. It, it, it is not just an introduction, by the way. It is, it is rich with theological truth about the person's belief and about the, the, the savior of the person. And, and let me give you a background of Paul's letter to Timothy so that we can understand why he wrote this letter. And along the way, we will talk about the legacy of Timothy's faith, how he co- came to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, how did how it all started? Who educated him in knowing Christ? Who, who's the people God used for him to understand Christ and for him to believe Christ? These are the questions we will answer as we study Paul's letter to Timothy. First, of course, the author. Who's the author? Paul. Paul. As it was written in the, his introduction, Paul was an apostle of Christ he said that in in his letter he was the apostle of Jesus Christ by the way he did not start as Christian right away his background was that he was crazy in love in their traditional way in Jewish traditions and this religion is called Judaism He is very in love in this tradition, and in his dedication, Paul persecuted Christians. You will read that in the book of Acts. And 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 because he was dedicated to his tradition, he asked the religious leaders to give him a letter so that he can freely go to the cities of Jerusalem and, and in Jerusalem and even in the provinces near Jerusalem so he can persecute Christians. That's how dedicated he was. And by the way, he's also a murderer. He was a murderer. He murdered Stephen, the first one of the first deacons in the book of Acts. That's how dedicated he was in his um When it comes to his tradition And on his way To Damascus This is what happened to him The Lord Jesus Christ Appeared to him The one That he was persecuting Appeared to Apostle Paul And on that road That leads to Damascus Paul believed the Lord Jesus Christ And dedicated his life To serving God and now Paul had a new love. It was no longer the traditional ways of his religion, but by God's ways and wills. He started preaching God's word and about the Lord Jesus Christ as the fulfillment of the promise, prophecy and the only mediator between God and man. And, on, and, and, and And on his missionary work, while he was preaching to different cities under Rome's ruling, his uh, these two women named Eunice and Lois was, or got saved and was, uh, uh became uh, believers of the Lord Jesus Christ, and on the process Timothy also. And because of his dedication, in preaching the word of God, the Israelites religious leaders persecuted Paul and put him to jail. In his letter to Timothy, we can see and feel his physical and spiritual condition. He said here that Paul, an apostle of Christ, Jesus, by God's will, for the sake of the promise of life in Jesus Christ. By the way, before we talk about that, the physical condition of Paul was written all over his epistle writings, right? When he was in jail... You know, Rome's jail was not like our modern jails. According to history and archaeological studies, those jails before was a place of no hope. They are actually under the building and there was no light. It was dark, smelly, dirty, insects and rats roamed freely, no food. There's no human rights. Dying people are everywhere. And rotting woods are the many sides of a prisoner will experience. In other words, they are the living dead. And this situation inside that jail did not dampen Paul's spirit. Why? Because of God's promised life. Paul wrote to Timothy, his assurance is anchored in Jesus Christ's promise of life. For I am in this jail because of our Lord Jesus Christ, and it's okay for me to be inside this jail because of the promise of our Lord Jesus Christ's life. And that was Paul's encouragement to Timothy, is that the life that he has is way better than all the persecution that he will receive. You know this is the truth, my friends. Many people today are physically free and yet spiritually imprisoned by uncertainty of life and death. What do I mean by this? You see, in our society many people have money house or houses, properties, relationship, families beautiful wife, handsome husband, beautiful children, religion, boyfriend, girlfriend, lucrative job, traveling around the world, going to places that few people can go, eating food, partying, drinking, relationship after relationship, and yet deep inside them, they are still empty. They have all the fun the world can offer, but still, they are the loneliest people in the world. These people's economy are well-established, and yet they are not secured in life. They have everything, and yet they still empty inside. And then when they go home after the party, after the fun thing, they have depressions. In their mind, is this is my life worth living? What is my purpose? Is this it? Is this the life can offer to me? Or the worst question, or probably one of the the most asked questions is what happened to me when I die? And a lot of them does not or. or did, or do not know the answer and they just kill themselves yeah, that's right. a lot of them died without knowing the answer and Paul's answer to this uncertainty in life is Jesus Christ he was telling Timothy you know look at me I am physically imprisoned by these walls But I have life. I have the life that the Lord Jesus Christ promised. It is okay for me that people outside this jail look at me as if I am dead. It's okay for me. Because I am alive in Christ. And the question that I want to ask you guys today, is that what kind of life do you have? What kind of life do you have? I'm not asking this question to belittle someone, but to tell you that apart from the Lord Jesus Christ, you have no life. Apart from Christ, we are still imprisoned spiritually, and we will try everything Everything to, to feel that emptiness. We will go for material things. We will go for, for drugs. We will go for alcohol. We will go for relationship after uh, relationship. We will, we will go for money. And yet it cannot and will never satisfy you. What then can satisfy that emptiness in your life? And probably you have asked, what is the reason why I have this emptiness in my life? Why I am lonely? Why I am unsatisfied? Why I am broken and helpless? Jesus Christ said in in John chapter ten ten, he said that the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full talking to the believers and also to the people that doesn't know him yet as the Savior he said I am the life the Lord Jesus Christ is the life and I came for you to have life because that life that was promised in the book of Genesis was stolen by Satan He was the real thief here. He was the one who stole, and and he was the one who will will steal, and who will destroy people. And you know what his his main weapon to people, to you and to me, is he love to lie. His main weapon is lying. He has been lying for centuries to people that the only way you and I can enjoy life is to rebel against God. Be a God of our own life. That is His lie to you. You want to enjoy life? Do everything that you want to do. As long as you're happy. Enjoy life. That is one of the lies that He wants you to believe. That is not true, my friend. That was the lie he used to deceive Adam and Eve in Genesis. Satan distorted God's word and made them believe that there's another way. And because of their disobedience, their perfect relationship with God was broken. They can, they, they used to, they can, they, before the sin, they can stand before God. And but because of that sin, they cannot stand before God. They hid themselves because... They knew that they have broken or they disobeyed God and that their relationship with God was broken. Whatever you are living right now, my friend, that is not the kind of life Jesus Christ wants for you. This life that was promised by Jesus Christ is not the kind of life we live here on earth. It is not the American dream. Not even the Filipino dream that can attain if you work good or you are good. This life can only be received through Jesus Christ alone. Paul said in verse 2, he said that to Timothy, my dearly loved son, grace, mercy, and peace from God, the Father, and Christ Jesus, our Lord. Jesus Christ offers to those who believe and trust Him are given a life that will will be spent with Him. This life with Jesus Christ is way better than the life we are living now. You know why? Because our life is broken. That is the truth. Our life is chaos. It's full of chaos. Our life leads to nowhere but death in hell. Our life is filled with sin. And because of that sin, we are separated from God. In other words, because of our sin, we died. We are dead because of our sin. And because we are dead, we cannot connect to God and cannot experience God. According to Paul, this life is received by grace. It means we don't deserve the life that God is offering, but He offered it to you through His Son, our Lord Jesus Christ. You don't deserve, we don't deserve it, but He offered that, that life for you. Mercy, second is mercy, because there is no way we can have this life, even how good we are. Or even how nice we are. Or how many times we go to church. Or how much money we give to poor people. It is mercy because Jesus Christ did it on the cross. Because our work cannot give us life that God is offering to you. We tried. Believe me. We tried many times. And look where it brought us more problem. And he said, the last one, he said that the third is peace. The life that was offered by Jesus Christ is is a life with peace from God. And this is a beautiful promise of God. You know why? Because Jesus Christ died and rose again for His enemies. Let me repeat that. Because Jesus Christ died and rose again for his enemies. Imagine that He was He was on the cross. There was, there was a song a while ago that says, He was on the cross and he looked at us. We were all sinners, right? You know what Christ did? Because we, you know, because we are sinners, Christ, or we are enemies of our Lord God. And because He loves us, Christ died and rose again for His enemies. Will you die for your enemy in exchange for His life? I mean, are you willing to give your life to someone you don't know? Are you willing? No. And I'm not willing more if, if it's if it's my if it's his my or if it's that if that person is my enemy. I don't want to give even the, the strand of my hair to that person. But Christ did for you and for me. Jesus, Jesus Christ sacrificed life for you and for me. In other words, those who believe Jesus Christ as their Savior is now at peace with God. And those who believe Jesus Christ are now called children of God. Church, friends, it is good to know the peace of God. Right? It is good to know that God is peaceful, or the God, God is the, peace, uh, the God of, of peace. It is good to know that, that God is the God of love. It is good to know that God is the God of, of the one who, or the God who can offer you salvation. It is good to know. But God said it is better to, to experience the peace from God. The love from God. And the salvation from God. <clears throat> Let me use this analogy. I'm sorry, Brother Lambert, you're, you're, you're the person that I can see all the time oh. here. I'm going to use Brother Lambert here. For example, he was, or he is, a homeless guy. <laughs> He's a homeless guy. He doesn't look a homeless guy right now, but look at him as a homeless guy, right? He's dirty, he doesn't change clothes. He didn't eat yet. Or, for like, or he didn't eat for like uh, three years. And he's still alive. He's still alive. Wow. I didn't eat for seven days. He doesn't have any friends, family. And I was driving my um, Toyota Corolla. And I saw him with, with the sign, homeless. I need food. Uh, I need money to buy food. And I said, Oh, that that guy is so poor. And I pity him. You know what I did? I reached my pocket, and I have uh, one billion dollar here. Wow! wow. One billion wow. dollars. That is, so- wow. <laughs> this, take it. is that good right? You're the second person who who said that to me. All right. I have $1 billion here. And I... I It's just uh, an an analogy. It's hard to preach to the children because they will like... (laughs) All right. Okay. I have $1 billion here. And I said to Brother Lambert, You know what? I am offering this $1 billion to you. Take note. I offered, I offered, and I said, here is the one billion dollar. Technically, this one billion dollar is his, right? Because I offered it to him. It's my money. But because I offered it to to, to Brother Lambert, this is technically his money. As long as he will not accept this offer, this money will not be his. Of course he will accept it. That is the same way the grace and mercy and peace that was offered by God, our Lord Jesus Christ, on the cross. Salvation is offered to you. Jesus Christ's sacrifice for your sin and for my sin is now offered to you. Unless you believe that Jesus Christ can forgive you, can save you, that offer is useless. That offer, business, and to stretch my explanation. That is actually grace. I gave Brother Lambert one billion. Doesn't deserve it. He's a homeless guy. He doesn't work. And I gave him one billion dollar. And now I said, no, no, Brother uh, Lambert. You know what? I will. Allow you to live in my house. He have one billion dollars, and I invited him to live in my house. Does't deserve that kind of treatment, but I allowed him to do that. That's mercy. And you know what? I said, okay. I think I'm not done yet with with Brother Lambert. I gave him $1 billion, and I allowed him to to live in my house. And because that's not his house, what do you think Brother Lambert will feel? Of course, he will will probably sit in one place and anxious and shy, probably. Because that's not his house. And this is what I, I did. You know what, Brother Lambert? I don't want you to be to feel uh, 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 I don't want you to be anxious. I want you to, to feel relaxed. I want you to enjoy this house. This house is yours. And I leave the house. So that he can only have peace. That's how the Lord Jesus Christ did for you and for me. He had given his life for you. He had given his his blood as a sacrifice for you because he wants you to enjoy that relationship. He wants you to enjoy that relationship. And the next one is this. I said that a while ago, and this is the second one. Is that the the unique? Relationship between Paul and Timothy is seen here in this letter. Paul heard Timothy struggle in the ministry. And Paul knows how hard it is to be alone and face all those challenges. He said to Paul, Paul, uh, Timothy, you know what? I constantly remember you in my prayers night and day. I want that, that person to be my, my, my disciple. A person that will pray for me, day and night. A person that that will kneel and ask God to 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 protect me, give me wisdom, day and night. I want that person. Friends, you know those people, who have no Christ in their life. You know, you might think that the whole world turns their back the at you. Or you think that no one cares and loves you? I love you. I want you to know this, and this is the truth. Jesus Christ did not turn his back to you, and Jesus Christ's love for you was manifested on the cross. And no one will give their life in exchange for yours. And if there's a human being that will sacrifice his or her, la- or her life to you, for you. That sacrifice is not enough for you to have that eternal life. That is why the Bible is clear that there is only one mediator between God and man. First Timothy says that for there is no, there is one God and one mediator between God and mankind. That man, Christ Jesus, who gave Himself as a ransom for all people, is how. This has now been witness What the proper time. Christ's love for you was manifested on the cross. He loves you. He cares for you. He wants you to enjoy that life. He wants you to, to have that life and enjoy it in the full capacity that he offered and lastly is this in verse 5 he said oh by the way it says here he always remember his tears his, uh, he, he wanted to see him so that he may be filled with joy lastly in verse 5 he says I recall your sincere faith that first lived in your grandmother, Lois, and in your mother, Eunice. And now I am convinced it's convinced in you also. I said a while ago, mothers are important. Am I right? Mom, you are important in the life of your children. You are not just important because you can provide food, you can provide shelter, you can provide clothing or money or you can provide love for your children. You are important because you can guide your children to the path of God and showing them a life that is in Christ. Timothy's faith started with his grandmother and mother. You see here that Paul said, I recall your sincere faith that first live in your grandmother Louis and mother Eunice. It will be hard for your children mothers and, and, and fathers listen to this. It will be hard for your children to believe God the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior if they don't see it in your life. It is hard. For them to believe that's why you are important to guide your children to that path don't just guide them to have a better education to have a better life guide them to the word of our Lord Jesus Christ that is why you are a mother, because you are special. You can connect to your children. The Lord Jesus Christ used my mother to share to me why I am going to hell. That was like the bad news that I received. I was young. He said, when you die, you're going to hell. I was like, what? and she explained to me the truth it was hard but she explained to me the truth not only explained to me the truth he lived the truth she lived the truth and that's why I said her Christ is true her savior is true and I want that savior. Because I saw the chaste life in my mother. My mom has more disciples than I than I do. That's how passionate she was she is in Christ. And I praise God for her. To close us, propose us in this message. <clears throat> Let me just use this uh, illustration. Last Wednesday, what's it? Last Thursday. I'm having now the uh, a daddy moment. You know, you forget things. Yeah. Oh. Okay. <laughs> last Thursday, just before I. last Thursday, last Thursday I'm not going to share what she did to me because that was just beautiful but this is what happened last Thursday Pastor Ken, Pastor Brett and I we went to Charlotte and we are traveling back to Raleigh from Charlotte right and we stopped in in a rest area to stretch Pastor Brett's leg (laughs) no no to stretch our legs and then one lady saw a dog and she was she was screaming, right? She was like hysterical. Like, there's a dog, there's a dog. And Pastor Brett, being sweet and nice to the dog, she, he actually went there to help that dog and saved it from danger. But that, the dog resisted the help of Pastor Bret's offer. And then Pastor Brett did everything to save this dog from crossing that interstate. And in the end, the dog chose to cross the in- interstate and was hit by a frog. What is the lesson from that dog? Jesus Christ went down <laughs> here on earth and lived with us more than 2,000 years ago. He lived with his creation. He talked to, to, to people. He fed them, healed them. And taught them about eternal life. He is he said that he is the Messiah that was promised in Genesis. He is the Messiah that will lift the burden of sin. He is the Messiah that was offered as the perfect sacrifice for your sin and my sin. Jesus Christ promises this. He said, Those who believe in me are not condemned, but those who don't believe in me are already. Now my question is this, friends, will you let this time to pass and say, I still have time to think about it? My friend, you don't know when death will strike you. Or you probably are thinking right now, "Uh, we'll try to... I will, I will try another way for me to get to heaven, and for me to be saved. Jesus Christ said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. John fourteen six. There is no other way but Jesus. There is no other way to experience and to fix that broken relationship but Jesus Christ there is no other way to fill that emptiness in your life but Jesus there is no other way for you to be happy but Jesus stop running away from Him believe Him and have that abundant life that He promised you let us all pray Hmm.